How's everybody doing today? Man, bands sound good today, isn't they? I'm glad you guys, most of you guys were on time. We're getting better. We're getting better than last week. I think it was like twice as good as last week. We're going to keep doing that. We're going to encourage you guys to get here on time for Jesus and to make room for some other people to come. So if you haven't met me, my name's Matt Wolf. I'm the lead pastor here at Arise Church, and we're all about helping people follow Jesus, meaning we want to help you take whatever your next step is following Jesus, because following Jesus is the path to the fullest life. And we want to help you help others follow Jesus. So if you're newish, if you're in person, shoot that QR code with your cameras and, and fill out that I'm new form. If you're online, you can fill out the I'm new form. It's kind of in the comment section or go to risedenver.com slash connect. And if, if you fill that out, if you're newish at all, first time, even if you're like, I don't know if I like this church, that's fine. I, I like this music, but Matt, now you're up there. I'm not sure. If that's you, that's okay. Fill out that form anyways. And if you fill out that form, we actually give $5 to the Denver Rescue Mission in your name to help somebody in need. So you're helping someone by doing that. So please do that. Um, and, and today, we are going to talk about everybody's favorite subject, money. You know, um, I've shared before that I was not a good giver. I heard a story about somebody else, and they're like, yeah, I got my first uh, money. I got my first $20 for mowing someone's lawn, and my dad was like, here's $2. You're taking it to the church. Well, that was not me, okay? I did not give for years, right? I did not give for years. I was not taught to tithe right from the beginning, and I remember in, in college when I really started going after Jesus and, and growing in my faith, I was meeting with this younger guy because that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to multiply, multiplication mindset. I'm helping another young guy follow Jesus, and I'm teaching him. We're reading the Bible. Every week we were getting together, and he was like, hey, Matt, what about tithing? And I was like, Ugh. So I told him that week, I was like, okay, next week, his name was Matt too. I said, Matt, next week you're going to come, and you're going to teach me about tithing, and he did, and I was like, oh, man. I don't tithe. <laughs> I, I don't tithe. I don't give like anything, right? That, anybody in here, you don't have to raise your hand if that's you, okay? But that's where I was. And I remember that Melissa and I, we made a commitment to tithe. So, so from the beginning, we were like, we're going we're gonna to do it right, okay? We're going to start tithing. We're going to give 10%. And I would love to say that that's easy. It's not. <laughs> it's not. And, and I remember, especially when it was hard, was when we moved here to Denver. Because guess what? It costs a lot to live in Denver, doesn't it? And we moved here almost five years ago. Five years ago next month, we moved here to Denver, and we got here, and we, we had a budget, but then we were like, oh my gosh, whew, rent's higher than we thought. Whew, like, can we live here on this budget? But we had the tightest budget because we were like, okay, we've got to keep tithing. There's always the question, well, you know, do they really need 10% right now? I'm, I'm the pastor, okay? Shouldn't, shouldn't like, I, I'm giving my time, right? We always have these, these reasons that we tell ourselves, but we're like, okay, no, 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 we're, we're going to keep tithing. And I remember it was really, really tough. We had the tightest budget. We cut all our subscriptions. We, we were, um, all these different things that we were used to living with, we were like, okay, we've, we've got to cut those if we're going to keep tithing. And I remember we had the budget. We were living toward Everything was good. And then Christmas came. And I was like, oh, shoot, we didn't budget for gifts, we didn't budget for Christmas, and everything costs more around there, right? You want to get kids, the gifts for your kids, and, and we just had McKinley. It was our first kid, first Christmas. you got to get him gifts, even though they won't remember a thing that you give them, right? But we're like, we got to give them, okay, we don't have any money. And, and it was really tough, but we were, like, committed to tithing, so we're, like, trying to pull, like, well, maybe if we don't eat this week, like, we can, you know, we were trying to live tightly like that. And then one of our neighbors who we had just met knocked on our door. Melissa was there, and she gave us a card, an envelope, and in it had $1,000 cash. I'm not even kidding, $1,000 cash. She's just like, we just want to give this to you. This is how we, we practice generosity in our house. I was like, wow. Uh, amazing that they did this, but also amazing, like, wow, God provided for us when we were faithful to him. And that's an amazing thing, because when we trust God with the first and the best, he, he blesses us with the rest. 
And it's an amazing thing of how he does that. And we're going to see that as we talk about money and what Jesus is going to teach us about money in general today. And then we're going to talk about giving in particular. But I want you to open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 20 because in this series we're seeing Jesus flip tables. And of course he's not going to leave our money like just the way it is, right? Because money, that's the thing, like, that's mine. I earned it. You can't have it, okay? So if Jesus is coming to our life, flipping our worlds upside down, of course he's going to flip the way we view money, isn't he? That's what he's going to do. So we're going to see this in Luke chapter 20, verses 20 through 26. Verse 20, says, Keeping a close watch on him, they sent spies who pretended to be sincere. They hoped to catch Jesus in something he said, so that they might hand him over to the power and authority of the governor. So remember, Jesus, this is his last week in his life. He's going to set up shop teaching every single day in the temple courts, and all the religious leaders are really mad at him because he's flipping tables literally upside down. I got another table this week. Should I flip it? It's a new one. Maybe not. Jason's like, not this week, okay? We just got it. Okay, no flipping tables again. But yes, Jesus flipped tables. He's flipping everything upside down, and they're mad at him, so they're trying to catch him in saying something that they can arrest him for. Verse 21. So the spies questioned him. Teacher, we know that you speak and teach what is right, and that you do not show partiality, but teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. They're blowing some smoke, right? Okay. Oh, you're such a great teacher. Always say what's right. And then in verse 22, they come to the tricky question. Is it right for us to pay taxes to Caesar or not? So this is a question about taxes. We're going to talk about money in general in just a second, but, but taxes... This was a tricky question in those days because the Jews were ruled by the Roman Empire. And they didn't like the Roman Empire, okay? They were all saying, that's not my Caesar, right? I don't like him. There's been revolts even in Israel up to this moment about not having to pay taxes. People are angry about it because they don't like that their taxes are going to go to wars that they don't want to fund, uh, that they're ruled by a people that they don't like at all. There's no democracy in these days, okay? They can't vote those people out of office. So they're having to pay these taxes to people they don't like. So when these spies ask Jesus, okay, should you give taxes to Caesar? If Jesus says, well, yes, you should pay your taxes. Then all the people are going to be like, well, we don't like you anymore, Jesus, because we don't like the Romans. Okay, that's a trap. There's people literally like wanting to revolt, throw it off. Some of the people think that Jesus is coming in as the king. He's going to overthrow the Roman emperor, set himself up. Finally, Israel's going to have freedom as a nation. They want Jesus to be against the empire. But if on the other hand, Jesus says, no, don't pay your taxes, okay? We're going to do some civil disobedience here, okay? We're not paying our taxes. They have enough money. They're an empire. They'll figure it out. Let's do it. Then these guys are going to say, well, let's get the Roman authorities. We just heard him. Let's arrest him and th throw him in prison or kill him for sedition. Pretty, pretty uh, tricky trap they laid, right? They're like, oh, we got him this time. We got Jesus this time. But Jesus, verse 23, in his wisdom, it says, he saw through their duplicity and said to them, show me a denarius whose image and inscription are on it. Caesar's, they replied. He said to them, then give back to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. So he has them take out a coin and he says a specific coin. So I got a few coins in my pocket here. And, and if you have a bunch of coins, they all have different images on them, right? If you get a quarter, there's Washington. Our dime, 
FDR, right? Is that right? Penny, Lincoln, Abraham Lincoln, that is. Okay. And then, oh, a nickel, Thomas Jefferson. It's a new image from what I grew up with. I got this big old coin here. It just has uh, Lady Liberty on it. Okay. But there's a different image on each coin, right? So Jesus specifies, hey, I want you to get out that silver denarius. Okay. Take that coin out and look real closely. So as they take it out, they can look real closely and they can see that on it is the image of the emperor of the day, Tiberius Caesar. Tiberius. He's like, okay, Tiberius is the emperor. He printed these coins. He minted them. So give back to him. <laughs> he made the coin. He created the economy. He, there's protections around here because of the emperor that things sell and there's not too much inflation that we're dealing with. Okay, if he printed the coin, if he printed the paper money, if he minted the coin, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. It's actually pretty simple teaching. But he's not saying, hey, Caesar's great, is he? <laughs> Pay your taxes, you have to do it, it's your obligation. No, he's saying, hey, it's his coin. And if he asks for a little bit back, you have to give it back. So in this way, Jesus threads the needle, doesn't he? He silences these people that are spying and, and trying to trap him in his words. And, and this is a pretty simple teaching. But I do know, I'm, I'm going to stop here for just a second, because I do know there are some people today that need to hear this. Because I have heard Christians say, well, I don't like that our government is funding this or that, or we're entangled in foreign wars, or, or they allow this evil social thing to happen. They're not using my money well. Well, we all know that's true, but we have to give to Caesar what is Caesar's. And on our coins, we didn't make these coins, did we? We didn't mint them. We didn't print our paper money. Even the financial structure we have, most of our money is digital now. We didn't create that. We don't own it. But all of it is insured by our government. And there's a lot of reasons why we can say, well, yeah, application, pay your taxes, right? Pretty simple. <laughs> pay your taxes. And I think this is good because this is to Emperor Tiberius, who was worshipped as a god. I don't know if you knew this. The emperors were worshipped. Tiberius especially liked to worship Augustus, who had come before him. He set up a temple. But they had set up a new temple for him, Tiberius, the Tiberius Temple. People would go and worship Tiberius as a god. This was happening all the time. Everybody knew it. And Jesus still said, give money to that guy. He's a heretic, an apostate. Still, you give him money. Because the governing authorities are set up and established by God. In Romans 13, it even calls them God's ministers. Okay, not just the pastors and the priests. Okay, The governing authorities are ministers. You might not like what they do, but you still owe them. So that's a simple application for some of you, especially uh, <clears throat> with tax season coming up, right? Okay, simple application. And I remember that this is tricky, especially in some industries. Like, there's a lot of fuzzy lines, you, you think, okay? But we all know we got to pay our taxes. I worked as a waiter for three years. And I remember the first time I went in at the end of my shift, and they're like, okay, you have to type in how much tips you got in cash. I was like, okay. And one of my coworkers was like, you don't have to put everything, Right? Only, you know, give it 8 to 10%, and they're not going to say anything. They'll look the other way. And I was like, oh, really? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure, like, we're supposed to tax on our tips, right? Put in the tips, okay? But, but we all have choices like that to make. Will we do that? Will we honor the governing authorities that God himself has established? So this is just some basic teaching that Jesus has given us about money, but there's actually a deeper truth that he's teaching here that, that's even more important than pay your taxes, though, yes, pay your taxes, <laughs> Because what he says is give back to Caesar what is Caesar's, but what does he say in the second half of verse 25? And to God 
what is God's. And to God, what is God's. This is interesting, and this is so important. This is what I really want to focus on, camp on today, because Jesus is teaching us about money and about so much more than money, because what is God's? I heard a couple people say everything. (laughs) Give back to God everything. I surrender all. We sing that, right? Whoa, that's a lot. Because we know that this Jesus did not just teach, and, and he was a great teacher. He could weasel his way through like with wisdom to, to not get trapped. He was the, 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 most, the wisest person, even wiser than King Solomon that came before him. But we don't just worship Jesus because he was good with wisdom, but because also he left his crown of glory. And though he was rich, he became poor for your sake. He died on a cross, leaving everything, emptying himself. And he didn't just tithe his blood, right? Gave 100%, giving everything while we were still sinners. He died on the cross to purchase your redemption, your freedom, your salvation. So if Jesus did that for us, how could we not then give back everything for him? If we love him and follow him, we accept his gift of eternal life. He's given everything, all to him I owe. In fact, in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, it says, In view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Your bodies, your everything, it's all God's. And in fact, whose image is imprinted on every single one of us? God's image. When God made mankind in Genesis 1.27, he said he, he made us in his image and in his likeness. Same word in the Greek Bible, image, image, the image on the coin. Every single one of us is made in the image of God, not because we look like God, but because we represent him just like a coin represents the emperor. So if we are made in the image of God, I think Jesus is saying something very profoundly important to us. If we are in his image, we owe him everything. You guys see this here? So what are we supposed to give back to God? Everything. So now I want you to give, uh, like, empty out your bank accounts. Give us everything, right? We're taking a vow of poverty for the rest of our lives. Some of you are like, wait, wait, whoa, 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 when we're talking about money. (laughs) Thankfully, God has given us some clear teaching on money. And that's what we're going to look at next. We're actually going to look at five different things that God teaches us about our money in particular. We do believe that God has called us to give everything to him. It's all his, and he will use it the way he sees fit. And yet with our money, he doesn't actually ask us to drain our bank accounts for him and live in a tent. He doesn't because he's a very generous God. So let's start there. He's a generous God, but he does ask us to give in a certain way. So what I'm going to teach you today, these five points, is is a mnemonic, but uh, what we need to learn, here's your big idea. We need to give to God first. We need to give to God first. So F-I-R-S-T, those are five points that we're going to learn today about how we're supposed to give to God. So take some notes. If you have the YouVersion Bible app, you can find our event, Arise Church Denver. You can find, you can take some notes. You can look at all the scriptures we're going to look at today because we're going to jump around through the scriptures a little bit as we look at what God teaches us about our money. So we need to give to God first. So this mnemonic, I've been corrected. It's not an acronym. I always thought this was an acronym. This is a mnemonic for those of you English language specialists. A mnemonic, F, first, That one's simple, right? Okay. First, we give to God first, and the F is first. So if you're taking notes, the first thing we need to do is give to God first. 
In Proverbs 3.9, in Proverbs 3.9, we read, Honor the Lord with your wealth. You can pull that up. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crops. He says, give to me first. Bring the first fruits. What are first fruits? Well, at harvest time, it's the first fruit. Can you, can you remember that? Okay. It's the first fruit. What comes off the tree first? That's what we're supposed to give to God. And, and if you were a, a planter, if you were working a vineyard, you've been waiting for a long time to get those first fruits. Months. You've been working. You've been toiling out in the sun through the, the summer. And finally, harvest comes. I'm hungry. Can I just have one of these grapes? God says, no, bring to me first the first fruits. And this is what we do with our taxes, guys. Did you know that? Almost all of us have our money withdrawn from our paycheck to pay our taxes first. Not all of us, but most of us do, right? We let Caesar take first, and yet we give God our leftovers, right? There's really two different ways that that Christians give. It's either their first fruits or their leftovers. It's whatever I have left at the end of the month if there's nothing else going on and that coat isn't on sale, right? That's when we give. But think about this. When you have somebody over to your house for dinner, do you look at your spouse? Uh, uh, I can do this with Melissa. Melissa, we got some leftover chicken. Let's throw it on some chips. We got to sprinkle a little cheese. We got some nachos. Let's serve the guests. Now, we'll do that for our kids, right? (laughs) But you don't do that for a guest, do you? When a guest comes over, even if you have food in the fridge, what do you do? Go out to the grocery store and buy something else. And you get flowers too. You you want it to look good and you get something brand new to give them. And you make a nice meal and you serve this meal to your guests because you want to honor them. So why do we give God our leftovers? Why do we give God our leftovers? Okay, so so we need to flip our mindset from leftovers to first fruits. Because the first fruits is I'm going to give to God first. Not just give my taxes first. Let's give to God first. And that's how Melissa and I have decided with our tithing, that's what we do, okay? We, we, we look at our paycheck and it's like, here's 10%, okay, here's, here's the tithe. The 90% is what we budget off of. We don't budget off the 100%, we budget off the 90%. And that's how you can set yourself up to give at the front. Because what does happen when we give the leftovers? We don't have anything left over, to be honest. It's really hard to do it because you get... And then it's like, oh, we got to pay this bill and went out to eat and spent a little more than we wanted. Inflation, right? Okay, and then there's something else coming up and like, oh, yeah, I got, oh, I forgot about this. Oh, yeah, I got to pay you back for those tickets you bought last month. We get to the end of the month and there's nothing left. Say, I'll try again next month. That's what leftovers do. So Jesus is teaching us, or I'm sorry, the the scriptures are teaching us to, to give to God first. And that means our first fruits, our first fruits. So that's the first thing. Give to God first. And then live on the rest. Live on the rest. So that's the first thing. That's the F. The I. Give to God income-based. I. Income-based. A lot of people will call this a tithe, and that's actually kind of the scriptural um, teaching on this. And I want you to see in this one um, scripture in Malachi 3.10, we're actually going to reference it a couple times. But in Malachi 3.9, actually, it says, A curse is on you. This is God speaking through the prophet. A curse is on you, on your whole nation, because you robbed me. You're stealing Bring the whole tenth, the whole tithe, into the storehouse so that there will be food in my house. The tithe is based on your income, and it's a proportion of that. And saying, hey, there's a proportion. God's saying, that's all I'm asking for, a portion, 10%. 
Some of you are like, well, does it have to be 10%? Okay, that's between you and God. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But that portion, it's income-based. So that means if you make a ton of money, it's a proportion of that ton of money. If you make very little money, it's a proportion of that. It doesn't matter whether you have rich or poor. God is not a socialist, okay? A lot of people are like, oh, the rich will take care of it. They'll fund the church. They'll fund the missionaries. And I can just sit back and do my own thing. No, God is saying give income-based. Yes, the rich should give more, but that doesn't mean if I'm poor, I should give less. I still am supposed to give income-based. So if you look at it, you can do that. I remember um, a few weeks ago, I mentioned giving as kind of one of my points in my message, and we had a 10-year-old boy, Chase. He came up to me afterwards and said, Matt, I want to give this today. It was a $20 bill. I was like, whoa, I didn't give that much until I had like a job, right? $20 bill because he wants to give back to God. doesn't matter your income base. That's what it means to live generously. Say, this is what God has given me, and I'm going to give based on it. I would even say this. Some of you are like, well, I don't have an income. I think that God wants us to get an income so we can give more. I had a lady in my last church, 97, and she brought a $5 bill every single week to church. Fixed income, right? Very little, but she always had her $5 bill up until the day she died. She was giving. No matter who we are, we can give, and we can give income-based. Some of us are like, well, Matt, things are tight. I got a house. I live in Denver. Got a mortgage. I got car payments. I got kids in practices and all this stuff. Can I just give my time? That's not income-based. God wants you to give your time and your talents, but also your treasures. So I want to challenge everybody to start giving income-based. We can all give. So that's the I, income-based. That's the second thing. The third thing, give to God regularly. This is the R, regularly. In 1 Corinthians 16.2, this is some uh, explicit teaching from Paul in the New Testament. He says, every Sunday, each of you must put aside some money in proportion to what you have earned and save it up so that there will be no need to collect money when I come. This is interesting, right? He's saying every Sunday. Now, uh, some of us are like, well, I'm a monthly giver, Matt. I give every paycheck. I give every six months. I give quarterly, annually. Okay, that's fine. But is it a regular gift or is it just when things are going well for you? Those are two different ways, right? Whatever your regular is, make it regular because the church and the needy have regular needs. It's not like, uh, you don't need to eat this month. Like, no, okay, there's, there's somebody that needs to eat. In fact, in Malachi, it's like bring it into the, to the storeroom so that there's food in my house. That's what it says in Malachi 3.10. Food, literally food. Not just for God, but for the priests, that there's food in my house. So there's a regular that's really important with this. Be like Alice, that lady in my church who gave $5 every week, okay? She's regular, and, and you, it's consistent. It can be depended on. So this means for some of us, um, you need to automate your giving. That's, it's so easy nowadays, isn't it? You don't have to remember. You don't have to show up to church. I, the first year we gave, I, I can admit this. Like the, I got to the end of the year, and I was like, whoa, we missed two months when we got our giving letter because we showed up and we forgot the checkbook. Do you remember those? Checkbooks. Yeah, and like, we forgot it, we can't give, we'll give next week, and then, oh my gosh, we got to the end of the year, two months, we missed. Shoot, now we don't have any money, so we don't have the leftovers. Yeah, that was like our mistake, and we're like, we've got to fix this, right? We've got to set a reminder on your phone. Some of you have variable income, and that's maybe what you need to do. 
Set a reminder, hey, once a month, I'm going to look at our income for the month. Whatever it is so that it's regular for you because there are regular needs. So that's the, the third thing, R, regular. The fourth one, S, sacrificially. Sacrificially. 2 Corinthians 8, 23. 8, 2, and 3, I'm sorry. 8, 2, and 3. Um, Paul is speaking to the Corinthians, and he says, hey, there's this other church, the Macedonians. He likes to compare churches sometimes, like spur them on to generosity. He said, look at the Macedonians. Although they were going through hard times and were very poor, they were glad to give generously. They gave as much as they could afford and even more. There's a sacrificial nature to it. And I think that's really important for a lot of us because we do get in way over our head financially. You go talk to your mortgage broker and your realtor, what can I afford? And they base it on 100% of your income or 110. They're like, oh, you'll get a raise. It's fixed. <laughs> it's a fixed mortgage. You're okay. You'll, in a few years, it'll be easier. They'll tell you things like that. And then you do that. And then, you know, all your kids have to get in their clubs and, and you got to pay for these, this thing and that thing. And your subscriptions, they boom, boom, boom. They get higher and higher and higher. And here's the thing. If we live like everyone else, we can't give like God is telling us to. We have to live different than other people if we want to be generous. We can't. We have to say no to certain things. And that's sacrificial. It may mean I'm brewing my coffee at home. Ooh, right? It's $5 a day right there, okay? I'm packing my lunch at home. That's $30 a day right there, could be, right? Okay, there, there's things that I'm going to say. I'm not going to have five different streaming services. I'm just going to have one at a time, okay? There's these simple things that we can sacrifice. Or I'm going to live in a smaller house. I'm going to bike more. I'm going to ride the bus. It will be challenging and it will be sacrificial, but when we do those things for God, he's honored and he will honor us as well. He will honor us as well. And that leads us um, to the really important thing. Give T to get blessed. Yes. Give to get blessed. That's what the scriptures teach again and again and again. There is so much teaching in the scriptures on giving, and it's almost always tied to promises of God. I am not a prosperity theologian here. I'm not going to tell you give and you know, if you give $100 to church, you'll get 10 times back, okay? I'm not saying that. I am saying God will bless you. He will. He promises this again and again and again. Malachi 3.10 he says, I challenge you to put me to the test. Bring the entire 10% into the storehouse. Then I will open up the windows of heaven and flood you with blessing after blessing. Sounds pretty nice, doesn't it? Jesus said it too. Acts 20.35. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. So Jesus taught, you will be blessed by God. God wants to bless you. He wants to pour out blessing upon blessing on you. But your hands are holding on so tight to what you have that they're not open to receive. So that's why we need to give, to receive a blessing. And more blessings than we give. That's what Melissa and I experienced when we got that $1,000 cash. Melissa was like, I've never held this much cash before, right? It was like, whoa, let's throw it on the bed and jump in it, right? <laughs> we didn't do that, but we thought about it. We really wanted to. It's like, wow, wow, God, this blessing that God has given us. God wants to bless us, and, and the blessing here is not necessarily financial. It's not, but it is a blessing. One, one interesting thing is the word blessing when you see it often in the Bible, it could be translated as happy. God wants to make you happy when you give. Sometimes that's the greatest joy of all. When we give, we're like, wow, that felt really good. 
That felt really good. And study after study now are showing how, how important this is. That, that if you're a giver versus a non-giver, you're 43% more likely to say that you're very happy. That they've done some brain studies and they find people with less cortisol if they give, meaning less stress, anxiety, which also leads to them living longer. There's all these blessings that come. This is just secular studies out of Harvard that are proving this. It's like, if you give, God will bless you. I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, God's been saying that again and again and again and again. And now the studies are proving what we already knew. But God has said again and again and again. I want to bless you. Those who refresh others will be refreshed. And, and this is so important for us to hear. Because a lot of us um, are like, hey, man, I, I, I would give if I were rich. I'd give once I get that job or once I get the promotion. I'll, I'll give you know, once the kids are out of the house, I'll give maybe, you know, when I'm out of debt, we're always saying then, then, then. But maybe the reason why you're struggling all on this time is because you haven't given to God. You haven't trusted him with your finances. We're waiting for something. Others of you, you have everything you need. Let's be honest. We have way more than we need. We have a house, a roof over our head. We have clothes on our back. More than two sets of clothes. Anybody here have two, more than two sets of clothes? Yeah, we can all raise our hand, right? We have food in our fridge, we can eat, and yet we're still wondering, like, why am I so unhappy? I have everything. Well, maybe it's because you're not giving. Like, honestly. You gotta give to get a blessing, to receive the happiness and the joy that comes from the Lord and the Lord alone. So I really wanna challenge you guys. I say this whenever I talk about giving. I don't care where you give. I want you to give because I'm about helping you follow Jesus and finding the fullest life. And it's through generosity. It's through giving. I don't need your money. Our church doesn't need your money. We'll be okay. <laughs> There'll be other people who can be generous to our church. But you need to give because I want you to experience the blessing that comes only from God. I have a video right now I want you to see um, from Derek, who's a newest member of our financial advisory team. So let's hear a little bit from Derek, and then I want to show you something before we go. Hey guys, I'm Derek Blackard. Um, the question was recently posed to me, why did I become a giver? Why do I tithe? I think there's one main reason that sticks out on, on why we give, and that's, that's really coming from a place of acting out our faith. And so if we look at uh, what we believe and, and and in my heart, you know, my faith and my belief is I want to honor God I want to serve God. And I want to give thanks to God and it's one thing to say that but it's another thing to put that into practice and so for me giving is the act of physically living out my faith and so by by giving up uh, arguably the most important physical resource that us as humans seek to go after that's that's my opportunity and my way of, of being obedient to God and living out my faith. And so in essence, giving becomes a very spiritual thing for me in my life. And you know, it wasn't always that way. I, I don't think when Shannon and I got married, we were giving anything anywhere. And just over time, that was the concept of giving or the idea of giving was something that just started becoming more prevalent uh, on our hearts. And, and over time, we, we started to give a little here, a little there and add more and more. And I think as we've gone about our, our giving journey, the more we've given, just the less 
we feel the burden of money in our life and just it's, it's more free and it just feels like you know as you loosen your grip on money it becomes less important to you um, in, in your personal life and it's kind of freeing in that regard so uh, I would encourage anybody who is struggling with starting to give or or just the concept of giving to dive into 2 Corinthians 9 verses 6 through 7 and just meditate on that verse and 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 you know figure out start to pray about you know where God's leading you as far as um, your giving. Thanks Derek. Thanks Derek. Yeah, we can give him a hand. In 2 Corinthians 9 6 and 7 which he referenced says this. Um, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. And verse 7 says, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So I want to show you guys something, because I know some of us um, have some trouble um, with some of the, the math with this whole thing. <clears throat> so I just want you to imagine that God gives you ten apples, First fruit, right? It's fruit, literally. How, how many of these apples do we give to God? One, right? If God gives you ten oranges, how many oranges do you give to God? God gives you ten lemons. What do you give to God? Don't say lemonade, okay? One lemon. What about 10 lines? One, right? Okay, I think you guys are starting to get it, right? 10 bananas? What do you give? One, okay. I'm glad you guys can do the math, right? That's pretty simple with a tithe, right? 10%. Now, I just want you to look at how much God has given us. And how much for he asks us to give him back? A little bit different, right? I mean, this bowl is like overflowing with fruit. And yet he only asks for a little bit back, right? That's, he says, I've given you everything, and I just want you to give back 10%, the tithe. But what most of us do is we get towards the end of the month, right? If we're doing the leftovers and we're like, those shoes are on sale. Maybe next month, Right? Like, ah, but all their friends are doing that, so I got to pay for my kids to do that too, right? And I got to treat myself, right? It's been a hard two years. Treat yourself. And then look what you've given God, right? And what you have. Like, honestly, um, even this is pretty generous for some of us, right? But, but God isn't asking for the whole bowl of fruit. In fact, he's saying, hey, you can have those things. Just budget for it. You know, God has entrusted us with so much money. Could you imagine going to your money manager and saying, hey, I'm going to entrust you with my money. You keep 90%. Just give me 10% back. You would never do that, okay? I mean, even like 1% is like, oh, I don't know. That's too much. I don't know if I can afford that, right? But God has entrusted us with so much. So how can we not give back to him? and to give to God what is God's. So I wanna challenge you guys to give to God first. With the first fruits, it's the first thing that you do, right? That's income-based, that it's regular, that it's sacrificial, and that lastly, you give to get a blessing out of it. 
So um, I'm going to give you guys a challenge today. We're, we're doing this, this challenge. This is the first time we've done it. And um, I want you guys to reach under your seats. There should be a little card and even a pen there. I want you to grab those cards. Do we have those cards? should have a card that says, uh, let's look at that first. 90-day generosity challenge. Anybody not have one of these? We'll get you one, okay? 90-day generosity challenge. This is challenging you to grow in your faith by giving to God what is God's. So this 90-day generosity is to commit to the challenge of giving for 90 days, for three months, to make this a habit, a regular part of your life. And we believe that in those 90 days, like that can become a regular habit for you and you realize, yes, I can live on this 90%. I can live on what God is giving me to. And what I want you guys to do is write your name on it and write your email. And the email address is so I can send this to you. I can encourage you. I'm going to send a few different emails over the next 90 days to just encourage you and share some of the stories about what God is doing through this because it'll be amazing that you will see how God is blessing you in this 90 days. Um, and then you can choose, be a tither. I'm ready to take that step of faith, 10%. Join the generosity team. We say if this is your first step of faith, like you've never given anywhere, 21% of Christians, okay? If you've never given, give $25 a week or $100 a month. You can afford it. Or some of you need to say, hey, I have been tithing and I need to increase it to a dollar amount or to a percentage. And I want you to take that challenge today. So I'm going to give you a minute. This is between you and God. Decide in your heart. It's you and God deciding how much to give. And I want to give you a minute to fill out this card. And then we're going to have some people come and collect these cards. So let's take a minute to do that.